0: Hello and welcome to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hoag. We'll be discussing the brands, tech, products, and yes, even the societal implications of this exciting new era of autonomous cars. Because make no mistake, autonomous cars will mark the greatest step change for humanity since the Industrial Revolution. So I think it makes sense to tell you a bit about myself. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur in San Francisco for the last seven years. I'm also a California licensed attorney. Uh, I went to UCLA for undergrad. Go Bruins! Uh, My major is in econ, but I had a lot of math and science for undergraduate studies, uh, mostly physics, chemistry, and bio. I've loved cars all my life with a passion. My dad actually used to race Lotus Super 7s. I've done several track days myself. And I've been interested in autonomous cars pretty much ever since they were a thing. Um... In fact, I've not only been reading a lot about them, I've been writing a lot, too, for quite a few years now. You can find a lot of my writings on uh, Quora, where I'm a 3x top writer. And, of course, I've cross-published a lot of my pieces over to um, Medium and also LinkedIn. So, of course, you can find me there, too. So, for this first episode, I wanted to base it on um, an article I wrote a while back about my first experience with an autonomous car or at least a somewhat autonomous car, the Tesla Model S. I think going forward, it'll be important to decide the uh, best format for this show. Um, You should let me know whether you like the idea of me reading more or less verbatim, but not entirely, from articles that I've written, or whether you prefer more sort of organic, live, off-the-top-of-the-head discussions. So uh, let's dive in, but uh, definitely let me know what you prefer going forward. Fear. That's what I felt. Deep, profound fear. Not the sort of heart-in-your-throat, life-flashing-before-your-eyes fear, but the sort of profound, cognizant, intellectual fear that starts deep within the logic center of your brain, gradually coursing its way through the rest of your body. The sort of fear that speaks through your inner voice with concerned authority, like a father politely, respectfully, yet sternly reprimanding his seven-year-old child. Because, you see, I had just tried Tesla's autopilot, and had come away profoundly, deeply fearful. Not fearful that Teslas can now mostly drive themselves, well, more or less anyway in certain conditions, but rather because other cars cannot. To understand what I'm talking about here, it's, I think, a good idea to imagine what it would be like some 85 years from now in the future to imagine children from that era and what they'll think when they see old movies about life today. So let's think about our reactions whenever we see movies from the 20th century. We see our favorite movie characters darting about dangerous mountain roads and bustling city streets without seatbelts, cars that amounted to little more than coffins on wheels, utterly devoid of proper crash zones or safety glass, and obviously no electronic protection systems like anti-lock brakes, traction control, or airbags. And those are just the frightening lack of modern safety equipment, never mind the woefully inept fundamental designs of the cars themselves, with their helplessly underpowered brake systems, tires more appropriate for a bicycle, and suspension systems that didn't seem to understand the concept of shock absorbers. In fact, even as recently as the 1980s, cars' handling characteristics were only slightly more composed than that of a drunken rhinoceros. For a sense of what I'm on about, just... Take a look at the legendary Steve McQueen film Bullet from 1968. Bearing in mind that this was just one year before America's moon landing, I mean, this was the peak of automotive technology, and just one year before making it all the way to the moon. Anyway, if you haven't seen it yet, do check out the first part of the famous uh, car chase through the hills of San Francisco. The key takeaway here, besides the fact that, you know, nobody's wearing seatbelts, San Francisco's hills are fun and bouncy, and Volkswagen Beetles just sort of tend to get in your way, is how remarkably, hopelessly unstable cars of 40 years ago really were. Um, I mean, and these weren't just average cars. This was the Ford Mustang Bullet. There was the famous Dodge uh, Challenger or Charger. I always forget which has two and four doors. Um, and um, yeah, these were just 40 years ago. So, never mind the first half of the 20th century. The point is, even today's least expensive. Subcompact cars handle better because modern science and engineering. Well, test driving a new Tesla Model S P90 with ludicrous mode, because why not, with autopilot was a grim, sobering wake up call, if only because the magic of autopilot completely overshadowed the fact that I had just accelerated a vehicle with such violent force, a sustained 1.1 g to 50 miles per hour that I had just hit 60 miles per hour in about 2.7 seconds, and I'd actually hurt my face. I mean, think of that for a second. Here I am, a hopelessly, impossibly fanatical petrolhead, gearhead, automotive engineering car geek, whatever you want to call me, and yet the Bugatti Veyron rivaling acceleration of the ludicrous mode-endowed Model S that I had just driven was a relatively insignificant thing in the face of autopilot. I will forever remember the day that I first drove a self-driving car, or more correctly, the day that a self-driving car had first driven me. But let's get one thing straight. Autopilot is not a fully autonomous technology. Well, not yet anyway. For example, you can't just get in the car, enter a destination in the GPS, engage autopilot, and take a nap. No. Tesla has named its autopilot system in just that way, so as to suggest the same systems of commercial aviation that still require full and competent management by the pilot. So, this is why I like to describe Tesla, as inelegant as it sounds, as autopilot-enabled driver-managed cars, as opposed to, say, autonomous or self-driving cars. The point is, what autopilot does do is that it offers a profound peace of mind. Not so much because you enjoy what it does for you, I mean, you do, but because you start to realize very, very quickly just how much you wish... Everybody else had autopilot on their cars, too. And before long, that wish evolves into something much stronger still. I was furious that other cars didn't have such technology yet. But of course, this is bleeding-edge tech. Naturally, it needs time to evolve and will require another 5 to 10 years. Any sort of mandate about autonomous cars will start, first of all, on dedicated freeway lanes much like we have carpool lanes today, before being expanded to cover all freeway lanes, and only little by little over the next, I'd say, 20 to 30 years will city streets start to mandate full autonomous vehicles. So, my point is that after my first experience with autopilot, I cannot express emphatically enough that this technology needs to evolve and it needs to be mandated as fast as humanly and legally possible. We cannot keep losing 3,000 lives per month in the U.S. alone. If that number sounds familiar, it's because that's exactly what we lost during the 9-11 tragedy. Right? So think about that. We lose the equivalent to a 9-11 attack every single month. 3,000 people per month in the U.S. alone due to automobile accidents. But, alright, enough with my preaching, lecturing, and admonishing. Obviously, you want to know how Autopilot functioned, to which I can only respond awesomely, frustratingly well. I say frustratingly because I want this now, and I want everyone else to have it now, and because it isn't perfect yet. The first moment I pulled back twice on the still Mercedes-Benz-sourced cruise control lever to engage Autopilot will forever be etched to my memory like the first time I engaged takeoff power and lifted off the runway in a Cessna 150. Or, Or, I guess, 172, rather. The first time I breathed 10 meters under the ocean with scuba gear, and I'm sure the first time I'll one day jump out of an airplane strapped to some guy with a parachute on his back. The point is, this is not something I will ever forget. And then slowly, delicately removing my hands from the steering wheel and sidestepping my foot from the gas pedal was a mind-numbing, zen-like sense of peace and tranquility, even if it was a bit unnerving at first. Granted, I would read numerous other first impressions of autopilots prior to having tried it, and if I'm honest, I think I was one of the more immediate, more immediately trusting and comfortable people during my first experience with its black magic. I mean, call it trust, misplaced or otherwise, in the brilliance of the technology that empowers it, coupled with a genuine, lusting desire for the technology to mature and, yes, be everywhere, in all cars, at all times. And that's precisely what was so special about Autopilot. It's just that even though it wasn't quite flawless... And while it always detected cars in my blind spot and admirably refused to engage in automated lane change, it did drop the ball once, failing to detect one car, and triggered an explosive cacophony of well-deserved honking from the SUV to my left. Well, it nevertheless left me with a sense of calm, tranquil relief. Not because it worked perfectly or fully yet, because again, it just doesn't, but because of the future promises with a very telling prelude of things to come. And yes, it left me with fear, because for every mile I drove down the 101 freeway here in Marin County uh, in Northern California, just across the Golden Gate Bridge from San Francisco, I felt myself grow more conscientious, more nervous, more, yes, fearful of the other drivers than I'd ever felt before, notwithstanding my dad's immeasurably helpful defensive driving instructions since even before I could drive. My God, I thought to myself, this is insane. Almost none of these cars around me right now could avoid even the most mundane of traffic accidents. I'm entirely at the mercy of some asshat driving a three-ton SUV while babbling away on Bluetooth, fiddling with the GPS, and juggling three kids in the rear seat, probably all while trying to successfully negotiate a Big Mac into their gaping maws and respond to a text message. And then, in an act of validation too coincidental to make up, my wife and I were stopped in heavy traffic on a road near our house, just several days after this uh, experience with the Tesla when we got rear-ended. Thankfully, nobody was harmed, including and especially my wife and the other driver's two babies in her car, and damage to our car was minimal still. The physical impact was, of course, startling. Our heads smacked up against the headrest, doing their admirable job of whiplash mitigations. But, you know, it certainly shook us up quite a bit. And for my wife, who had never experienced such a thing before, it was obviously pretty scary. Well, the impact was surely less than 20 or 25 miles per hour at most. Yet it still caused vehicle damage to the bumpers, doing their job valiantly, and still shook us up, and still it startled and legitimately scared us. To imagine such an impact at two or three times that speed then, to imagine a side impact or worse, was terrifying. This had been, for all intents and purposes, just a mere fender bender. But then, to recognize that nearly all such collisions could be eliminated nearly all. As autonomous driving tech is eventually mandated and starts to permeate through cars on our streets, the same way seatbelts, airbags, anti-lock brakes, traction control systems, and soon rear-view cameras have slowly done, it's at best comical and at worst infuriating to read of other people's fears and uncertainties with forthcoming autonomous driving systems. Look, Tesla's autopilot system has its flaws. Of course it does. But then it's only the first generation of this new technology. I mean, yes, they're on version 2.0, whatever, but effectively, it's still the first, how should we say, the first uh, overarching generation. And to be sure, it's by far and away the most advanced such tech on the market today. Yes, Mercedes have done a really good job playing catch-up. The new S-Class and E-Class have really good systems. The lesser GLC has also quite an admirable system. It's essentially just a really advanced lane-keep assist with, of course, fully autonomous braking and so on. So the point is, for people to ridicule, fear, or otherwise hope to delay the eventual mandate of autonomous vehicles is arguably more outrageous than the impossibly dangerous cars of the early 20th century. Engineers of that era should be excused as they were limited not only by what they knew, but crucially by what they didn't know. And that's a big difference between then and now. I mean, once upon a time, we didn't even know that seatbelts could save lives, that smoking kills, that we are contributing to climate change, indeed, it's a legitimately special thing when one can recognize not only what they know, but crucially what they do not know. We're more advanced today than we were in the 20th century. Thanks to decades of statistical data, countless physical crash tests, and millions upon millions of hours of supercomputer-crunched simulations and tests, we are capable of finally saying, wait a second, this isn't okay, we're clearly missing something here, and we can and must do better. The point is, we don't need to wait for kids in the 2090s to look back. Mouths agape at our stupidity today, the way we now look back at the muscle cars of the 1950s. We have at our disposal, thanks to our technology, to already recognize where we're falling short and to expedite a solution as fast as practicable. This, then, is not a time to fear self-driving cars, but rather to embrace them, and to fear a world without them. After all, if you're afraid to be in a car with seatbelts, airbags, and safety glass, then you should be terrified to be in a three-ton vehicle driven by mere humans rather than by a computer. So yes, as I continue to immerse myself in all things about this burgeoning, exciting field of autonomous vehicles, this this new era in humanity, the, the, the as I said, the greatest step change since the Industrial Revolution, You know, especially now that I've experienced what life can and will be like now that I've driven in a an autopilot-enabled Tesla Model S, I'm fearful of the current status quo. It's not okay. It's absurdly dangerous. And frankly, it needs to change. So there you have it. That's a wrap on our first episode. Uh, I guess I'd like to leave you now with just a few questions. Uh, I will enumerate them here, and then if you want to leave any voice recordings, just go ahead and reference them by number. So in no particular order, I guess number one, what'd you think? How'd you like it? Uh, good? Bad? Cool? Lame? Let me know. Uh, Number two, uh, how do you like the format? Uh, Do you like the idea of me reading from some article that I've written previously? um, Or would you rather I do something more organically off the top of my head, totally live, totally unscripted? Let me know. I guess number three, let me know just technically what you thought. Uh, Too loud, too soft, audio quality not so good. Um, Did I speak too quickly, speak too slowly? Let me know. And finally, just uh, I'll just open it up to you. If you have any thoughts, questions, um, complaints, comments, generally, just go ahead and let me know what you think. And hopefully we'll keep this series going and growing uh, with your input. So there you have it. Um, that's a wrap on our pilot episode. This is Mark Hoag signing off for Autonomous Cars. Thanks so much for listening. Till next time. Bye-bye.